today on 2C Fans. It was a scary time. Remember? It was very, very. I mean, we all kept thinking that we were going to wake up and oil was going to be on, on, on our, our beach. beaches yeah. in Sarasota. Yeah. And now, that's a very self serving remark. But, it is. But by the same token, you know, I think we were all concerned uh, equally about what was happening to the whole Gulf of Mexico because that was an awful lot of oil that yes. went on for a very, very long period Whoa. of time. Hello and welcome to 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory, your podcast for marine science education and conservation at Moat in Sarasota, Florida. Wow. Uh, he doesn't like how long the intro that is. That is so long. <laughs> you are so impatient. <laughs> I am. I'm, give it to me now. And I'm Joe Nicholson. Okay, okay. I'm Haley Rector. And I'm Joe Nicholson. Thanks, Joe. And now we're getting into it. Joe! Yes. I'm, I'm really excited. That's. Are right. we exasperating our guest yet? No. Probably, but I, I don't know. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's really cool. So we got Dr. Dana Wetzel here. Can you tell us your title at most? Sure. I am a senior scientist. That means I'm very old. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm also a program manager. She's so. got a really cool wheelchair, though. <laughs> uh, and I'm the program manager of the Environmental Laboratory for Forensics. Very cool. Which stands for? ELF. We yeah. actually picked out the acronym and then found words that fit it. You know See? how most people do? Yeah. It's very fitting for a Christmas uh, time. Sometimes yeah. I wonder about that in the science community, if they always pick the acronym first. How, so Smart how, people do. Yeah. 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 Acronyms you, survive. Yeah, your acronym shouldn't be like FART. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Somebody well, forensic, uh, yeah, no. Anthropology, well, research, technician. technology. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we are fart. Oh, Joe. Well, you do know the buses are called scat. Yes, oh, in Sarasota. That's yes. right. In Sarasota. They didn't think that, that one through. That was not they? a very yeah. well thought no, through. But through. I'll never forget it. Yep. <laughs> so but how, I digress. How long, uh, Dana, how long have you been here at Moat? I have been here since the last century. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's big. Well, that's at least 18 years ago. Yeah, at least. That's pretty good. So I came here in uh, the summer of 1999. Right. I was still in graduate school, uh, working on writing up my dissertation. And I defended it, but I still had to write it and submit it. So, But I was hired anyway. So I finished up. Uh, my dissertation, and then went to full-time in 2000. Were you already studying um, things like contaminants, the stuff you studied today, or did that come around after that? You know, I, I had no background in contaminants. I just kind of, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> I just showed wow, up. She, you sold me on that one. I just showed up and said, please give me a job. <laughs> yeah, actually, my background was in, you know, home decorating. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. um, no, my background was in contaminants, and really it focused, uh, my main area of interest, surprisingly, was uh, petroleum uh, oil. Yeah. So my uh, master's in dissertation work fo focused on uh, oil uh, spills and oil pollution. So is that because you were somewhere where a big spill happened or did you come to that in another way? No, I mean, the chemistry part I came to sort of naturally. It was, oddly enough, um, a, a subject that I barely passed in high school, huh. chemistry. Um, I was quite misunderstood, I think. Um, <laughs> but I did exceedingly well in uh, advanced biology, but uh -huh. um, I didn't want to be a biologist. I actually thought seriously about being a microbiologist. I did like that. Yeah. Uh, but but um, 
but really my heart and soul was in chemistry. I just I just hmm. had to find that focus. And so um, chemistry was, was what I wanted to do. So when I went to graduate school and I interviewed all of the professors at the University of South Florida to see who was doing what research and what seemed interesting to me, um, I discovered Dr. Ted Van Vliet and his area of interest uh, was oil spill work. Mm -hmm. And um, it just so happened right after I signed up to work with him as a student, there was a major oil spill in Tampa. It was called the Tampa Bay Oil Spill. Right, um, if right. If you recall I that I remember one. that, yeah. yeah. Early, was it early 90s or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 1995. Yeah, five. Five. yeah, 1995, five. yeah. Okay. And uh, so that's that was my first foray into petroleum work, and it just seemed to be an area that um, worked for me. I, I, I liked it. It was interesting. And um, so I'm still doing that. Hey, I've got a chemistry joke for you. All right. A chemist fell deathly ill, and they tried to cure him, but it didn't work, so they had to bury him. <laughs> I like that. That was cute. Okay. Was, she was really cute. Right. She says with some hesitation. No, with lots. With, with lots. <laughs> no hesitation about the hesitation. So your uh, your program doesn't, if, if you haven't um, looked into it too deeply, it's called the Environmental Lab for Forensics, and that doesn't immediately scream oil to some people probably. What's what does the forensics uh, in your program mean? So, um, because we do so much more than just look at oil pollution, we look at industrial pollutants, we look at pesticides and flame retardants, and you know a, a whole suite of uh, a variety of organic contaminants. We're an organic contaminant lab. Has that, yeah. has that started to become involved with uh, the microplastics and all that, or no? You know, funny you should mention that. I was running a little bit late because I'm working on a microplastics proposal right now. Really? What do you yeah, know? doing nanoplastic exposures. Yeah. And I'll get into that in a minute. Let me, okay. let me yeah, return. Sorry. That's all right. Return to the forensic question. So, you know, we do uh, the analytical chemistry uh component of identifying contaminants, organic contaminants in the environment. So we're looking at the water, the sediment, uh, any organisms, and trying to identify how much of these contaminants are present in their bodies or in the sediment or the water or whatever, and trying to make some sense of that. And that's all well and good and very important information, but if you are asked to go testify in Congress and say, well, you know, I found these, you know, salmon and they had 20 parts per billion of this particular contaminant in it, someone might rightly ask you, so what the heck does that mean? Uh, yeah, is that is normal? <laughs> it, is that a good thing? Is yeah. it a bad thing? Or yeah. is it a, is it even a thing at all? So we we decided a very, very long time ago that while understanding concentrations of contamination are critical, even more important is trying to understand what that concentration means to the organism in terms of, you know, health. Yeah. So we n now look at uh, the 
cellular, subcellular, molecular, sort of mechanistic uh, impacts of the exposures of contaminants on organisms. So, you know, for example, we, we look at what does it do to, you know, oxidative stress in, in the cells? Is it, what's it doing to DNA damage? How is it impacting their ability to reproduce? Oh, wow. What is it doing to their immune system? You know, if you've got, you know, a, a population of organisms that have been exposed to a contaminant, let's just say an oil spill, because yeah. that's something everybody can, can you know, relate, relate to. to. Yeah. You go out and you count, oh, wow, you know, we had 500 dead birds and we have, you know, 35 dead turtles. And, okay, but then we have, you know, 450 live birds and... But is dead or alive really a meaningful discrimination? Um, are they alive but near and death. healthy? Yeah. Or are they alive but terribly ill? Yeah. And I think that's one thing that um, is, is lacking in, sometimes in our assessments of trying to understand impacts of exposure to a tragedy like an oil spill is just because an organism is alive does not mean it's going to be a functioning member of the population. So we're trying to understand that not only from an individual level, but from a population level. Um, once an organism is impacted, you know, what happens to its future progeny? Could that yeah. impact be carried through? Because of the skewed DNA or... That's right. Yeah. A, a hereditary impact. Yeah. Uh, that, that area of research is called epigenetics. And oh, it's wow. something that we're, that we're dabbling in right now because it is a bit of a frightening thought. Yeah. You could have some kind might, of mutated, you know, exactly. unhealthy... Kind of reminds you of, you know, creature of the Black Lagoon, yeah. you know. What happens when you do uh, when when a population is chronically exposed? We yeah, that could wipe out that entire population or change it forever. Yeah, and I imagine yeah. there aren't that many people who have like decades of data on subtle things about a population at this point. You know, it's hard doing um, population level um, field studies is is really difficult because yeah. there are so many variables that you have to take into effect. You know, is it just one contaminant? Is it 50 contaminants they're exposed to? Is it the temperature? Is it salinity? Is it, you know, wow. what are what are the other things that are involved in this process? So, yeah. so the way we try and work around that is we do a lot of uh, laboratory-based exposure studies, which clearly is not natural. I mean, it is not representative of what happens in the real world, but it does provide us a, a clean slate, a platform like a base, where, yeah. where we can start adding different variables in. It takes a long time. You think about it, all of it, potential yeah. variables and concentrations and you know all of those things that you can adjust but the only way I think to sort of tease out what could be happening in in the wild is to try and replicate it as best you can in in the lab so that you have control over those variables. And then you can start going and taking your data and going back out in the field and doing some assessments. It's never going to work perfectly. It's just not. But at this moment, it's probably the best approach that we have is doing 
laboratory-based studies and trying to relate that to field-based studies, whether it's an oil spill or a chemical spill or, you know, uh, ocean acidification or temperature. It doesn't really matter the stressor. The stressors uh, stressors, Yeah, the the stressors change, but the uh, impact is The stressors change, and we just need to identify what the range of the responses are. And if we have a good approach, if we have good methodology on evaluating things, you know, it's probably something that we can use universally to evaluate, you know, a number of different stressors. Yeah. Well, which brings us to the, you know, the big one that everybody dealt with. Yeah. the, The deep water horizon it's been how many years now joe since oh, that, that spill you remember oh no probably what eight maybe you're good yeah it's eight years yeah eight and a half eight and a half years well i guess yeah. it, it depends on uh when you count the those, stop or the, the stop the or the <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's, didn't it it's is it still flowing N- no it's not well not that I'm aware of. No? Okay. I don't, there, I don't think there are other oil issues that are still happening, but I, that one. That one is stopped. That one, that one is stopped, but it sure did go on for a very long time. It did go. It, it was a scary time. Remember? It was very, very. I mean, we all kept thinking that we were going to wake up and oil was going to be on, on, on our, our beach. beaches yeah. in Sarasota. Yeah. And now that's a very self-serving remark. But, it is. But by the same token, you know, I think we were all concerned. Uh, equally about what was happening to the whole Gulf of Mexico because that was an awful lot of oil mm-hmm. that yes. went on for a very very long period long of time. time, and for a, for a while there, I was beginning to wonder if we were ever going to shut that off. I think you weren't the only one. There were a lot of people who were wondering if we were ever going to stop that. What the the final effect of that massive amount of oil was going to be mm-hmm. on on the animals. Right. I think um, we were fortunate in one regard, and that is because it was so far offshore that um, the oil was mitigated to some extent, uh, and so not so much of it came on shore, but still quite a lot did. Quite a lot did, yeah. Quite a lot did. So, But imagine if all of that... Ooh, that would have been catastrophe, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it would have been difficult. So these days, for most people, they've moved on to some other problem in the world, and they might think, oh, we took some measurements after the Deepwater Horizon, we learned something, okay, we know something to move on next. But you guys are still, you and a big consortium that you're uh, one of the leaders of, you're still studying it. And if, you know, if there are science students out there listening you can give them some insight into, you know, how much effort and time it takes to understand something as big as that. Like, what have you guys been up to in this this group? You know, this has been uh, an opportunity of a lifetime uh, to be able to study an issue the way we have for the period of time that we have. Because unfortunately, uh, in the science world, you learn to try and uh, address a research question, get it funded, and get your work done generally within one to three years. I mean, those are, those are standard cycles of grants that you have. So, you know, trying to solve the problems uh, of, of a problem, um, <laughs> you know, really in, in, in all fairness, takes a lot longer than one to three years to yeah. do a comprehensive study. But unfortunately, that's how we are. Um, it's how we are structured in, in research yeah. is, 
you know, unless you're very, very fortunate to get a long-term uh, grant, we have to approach a project, a problem, uh, define it, design a way to, to answer some components of that problem, and then get the research done within a prescribed short period of time. And um, in reality, you can't do that. I mean, there are way too many questions. So for this work, for the Deepwater Horizon, um, we have been able to get funding. Uh, this is our third cycle of funding in our consortia. And we are uh, the Sea Image Consortium, and it is out of the University of South Florida. And as I said, we are on our third cycle of funding, so that gave us eight years worth of research funding. Well, it will. We're on our. Uh, we're starting our eighth year next year, mm. which um, is unheard of uh, in the world of science research. So, we've been focusing um, the last two cycles, the last four years, we've been focusing on doing controlled exposure studies out at our own Moat Aquaculture Park, mm. where we have designed and built a very complex, um, large fish exposure system that has its own wastewater treatment system attached to it. Um, and it's an amazing facility that um, is managed by Dr. Kevin Main. And um, we've been doing a variety of exposure studies uh, with oil uh, on redfish, uh, pompano, and southern flounder. And we're looking at, you know, all of the things that I mentioned before, you know, immune function, reproduction, you know, uh, health assessments, oxidative stress, DNA damage, and even the question of that epigenetics. We're looking at heritable heritable changes, and we're doing that with our pompano work where uh, we exposed some pompano to oil, we then bred them, reared their offspring. Their offspring are, uh, in the next month or two, going to be ready to be bred themselves. Oh, really? So we will take a subset of those and we will re-expose them to oil. And um, then we will take uh, the ones that haven't been exposed to oil. And then we're going to do a, a, a crossbreeding and um, see what the outcome is. And we're working with someone at Texas A&M University who's looking at changes in genetics and methylation of the DNA to see, you know, potential heritable impacts down the road. So, you know, we, we kind of believe that, that getting a handle on, you know, long-term impacts uh, via uh, heritability is really an important area that deserves a lot of, of, of research. Yeah. And it's a new area. I mean, it's not, there's not been a whole lot of work done. So no. I can imagine. So yeah. yeah, this is, and in the theme of what you were saying before, if we were to catch a bunch of pompano now, or even a little uh, closer to the time of the spill and look at them, we would see something, um, contaminant levels or not, and we might see, uh, their DNA integrity. We might see whether there's this thing called methylation, you said, that's, I guess, epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wouldn't know what it means. So right. you're trying to tell us what it might mean by doing it in a controlled setting. Um, well, it's really important. And what were some of the, I guess, the big steps you guys took this year? Like, what did you... What Real did you, highlights. Like. Yeah, what did you focus on? So this year, um, we did our... Um, um, 
flounder, our southern flounder study. And so that was a really interesting one because we've been looking at three different routes of exposure using three different fish. Mm. And so one of the routes of exposure was through the water, you know, exposure to oil-contaminated water. Uh, One was through oil-contaminated food. So we, you know, dosed some fish food with oil. Uh, We know how much oil was in it. And then we did a feeding study with the fish over, um, I believe it was a... Ooh, 30-day time period. And then um, our third route of exposure was through um, contaminated sediments. Mm. And so you know flounder. They like to dig and bury in the sediments. And um, they're very good to eat, too. They are. (laughs) But But they're down there in the muck. They are down there in the muck. And so they're laying in sediments and sediments are where organic contaminants like to go they Mm. like to settle in sediments so there's a lot of oil in uh, oil impacted areas that obviously uh, went down into the sediments so we did a study where we took sediments and mixed it with oil and put it in these uh, special exposure um, tanks that were like raceways they were they were shallow and they were appropriate for for flounder Mm. and so we exposed them uh, again for a 30-day time period to these contaminated sediments, and then we uh, sacrificed them at the end, and you know took tissue from everywhere in those fish, and uh, analyzed them. And so we 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 spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out, you know, what is the response of these fish. To exposure to oil, and for the for the flounder in particular, we were looking at you know what is happening with oxidative stress. You know, we talk about reactive oxygen species, oxidative stress. You know, these are things that go on on a daily basis that we are exposed when we go out in the sun, mm. when we get hit by sunlight and UV rays, a UVA, UVB rays. You know, our skin um, reacts. We we respond to uh, that exposure. And, and we have oxidation, potential oxidation of our cells. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard, have you taken your antioxidants? Mm-hmm. All right. So the antioxidants actually exist to help protect cells from oxidation. Yeah. Well, that oxidation that happens, our tissues maybe make those oxygen species in response to the stress. Well, it, it's actually, it's a chemical oh. interaction. So, okay. you know, whether it comes from uh, the sun that it, that causes a, a photochemical reaction, or it could be that it comes from a chemical exposure, like from oil. Mm. So we were measuring um, oxidative stress in in flounder, and then we were looking at you know, well, how does the exposure to oil change their ability? to protect themselves by having antioxidant power. Yeah. Our body actually naturally has antioxidant powers. Yes. We're kind of super people. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we didn't, you know, we'd probably all be dead from, you know, cancer, you know, yes. before we're a year yeah. old. You know, we, our body has to be able to defend itself. And we have antioxidant powers. Well, and we can drink pomegranate juice. Well, there you Is go. Is that a good one? <laughs> it's antioxidant? a great one. So we're, you know, not only looking at the oxidative uh, 
damage in the uh, the uh, flounder, but we're also measuring, you know, how powerful were, was there, were there any oxidant powers in there in the organism. So, you know, we looked at that. We looked at uh, immune function. Uh, we're measuring gene expression. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at their their genes and their tissues and doing a lot. We're doing a lot. We're doing a lot. I have a I have a big team working on this question and. Um, you know, like I said, you, you don't get these opportunities to do this kind of research for a long period of time. So, so use it when you can. We just dove in and, yep. and started asking every possible question that we had the skill set to ask. Gotcha. Um, it's been rewarding. It's been a lot of fun, but we are at the end of our funding cycle. And um, that brings us to the point where now, in order to continue to do oil spill research, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a challenge. Um, with the flounder stuff this year, are you still in the process of getting your results together? Do you have any sort of preliminary finding from that? I, you know, we do. And we we have completed it. Um, okay. And we are in the process of writing up manuscripts for the exposure work. We still have the Pompano, what we call the F1 generation study to finish. That is where, you know, we expose the Pompano, we have their offspring, now we're raising them. So come, you know, the spring, uh, we're going to be exposing the Pompano, the offspring, to the oil and we're going to cross them and do another breeding study and do the epigenetics on that. So that is the very last of our uh, exposure studies to do. But the rest of the exposure studies have uh, been completed. We are um, now running stats, uh, statistics on all of our data to see who's associated with who. You know, can we relate, you know, body burdens of oil? So we measure oil accumulation in different parts of the fish body. You know, does that relate to what we're seeing with immune system response? And does that relate to what we're seeing with oxidative stress? And does immune system response relate to oxidative stress? I mean, so we've got all these bubbles, you know, up there and we're trying to see. Trying to connect the bubbles. Trying to connect them all and and how is it all related? Uh, and it's this is the this is sort of the interesting part because I uh, this is the most interesting part because I'm guessing we probably have twenty thousand easily data points. Wow! wow. Yeah. So trying to look at all of you know which response is related to which outcome mm-hmm. takes a bit of statistics and and we're getting help with that. Ryan Schlosser, our own moat. Ryan Slosser. Yes, we've had him on. Is yep. working on our statistics for us. Uh, he's taken a little time off just because they had a baby. I don't know why he just take time yeah, off. Yeah. How dare he? Uh, I know. <laughs> but uh, as soon as we are done with the statistics, then um, we're uh, ready to ready to roll with the publications. It's exciting. Cool. That's really hey, exciting. But you 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 do work all over the place, and. Um, You've got to have at least a couple of funny stories. I can give you, I can, I can certainly uh, give you one that uh, I'll tell you about on the on the oil spill. Um, right after the spill happened, um, I went down to um, Barataria Bay, um, and that's in Louisiana. In Louisiana, which was sort of ground zero of where it, it came ashore, yeah. Bay Jimmy, Queen Bess Island. You know, Grand Isle, yeah, you know, Grand a Island, very yeah. hot, hard hit spot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I spent a bit of time 
interacting with the fishers down there, the mm-hmm. men and women that are you know, oyster people or they're shrimpers or they're fishers or whatever. What an amazing, robust, resilient, you know, group of people. They were just so much fun to work with. But um, at that time, um, I was working with Dr. John Reynolds, who passed away this past January. And John and I went down there, um, him from a policy perspective, uh, and me from a a chemistry uh, contaminant perspective. We were meeting with a lot of of the Fisher people. And um, we had the opportunity to uh, meet with some leaders, uh, some uh, community leaders down in Barataria. So, but they invited Dr. Reynolds and I to meet with them um, at a restaurant in Barataria that was actually owned by the sister of one of the people that we were meeting with. And so there were there were three three people that were representing the Barataria community. One was president of the Oystermen's Association. One was president of the Family Fishermen, and then uh, one uh, worked on uh, the River Keepers program. Um, And so they met us at a restaurant, and John and I walked in, and they were sitting sitting at this long table, and kind of like, you know, a council. (laughs) And we we walked up in (laughs) front of them, and uh, the one of the gentlemen that we were meeting with looked at us and said, okay, you're here. We will listen to what you have to say. If we don't like what you have to say, we will invite you to leave. Okay. And um, so we were, we were sort of taken aback. We, we never really had been in an adversarial position like that before. <laughs> you know, we were just, we were just regular old scientists. Oh, man. Um, so... Um, we just sat down and, and described what you know what my background and interests were in in uh, oil spill research, uh, the questions that we were trying to answer, John's uh, role as a, a policymaker, what his thoughts were. Mm-hmm. They liked us. They didn't well, kick yeah. us out. They didn't make us leave. They liked us, and we actually worked with them for quite a while. Um, after that, they would take us out on their boat. Wow, that's, and, and, that's, um, awesome. that's huge. Yeah, they take us out on their boat and take us to the locations that were uh, uh, most impacted. And my funny story is that, you know, I get a little, um, I don't know, overexcited about my research at times. <laughs> and so, um, you know, no, I was I was standing in the boat and I'd be pointing, I'd say, over there, over there, we got to go over there. I, I and know that there's something interesting. I've got to take samples over there. We need to stop over there. And I'd kind of do that all around, you know, Barataria Bay. And one of the locations that they went to, I was looking at it, I said, oh my gosh, look at all the oil that's over there. I have got to collect some. I need to get some from different depths. And I was just being a geeky scientist. <laughs> and so um, they pulled over to this area. And you know, I'm not a Louisiana Bayou girl. Uh, I'm a Texas girl, but I'm not a Louisiana Bayou girl, and so I didn't really have the <laughs> the skill set to go bounding through the swamps. Um, but I did, and so I jumped out of the boat and trying to reach this area that I that I desperately thought I needed <laughs> to get samples from, and they're sort of yelling at me, and I'm not paying any attention. So. 
I jump out and all of a sudden I'm sinking in quicksand oh. or quick muck, muck. or whatever yeah. it was. Oh. And it was actually a little bit scary oh. because I there just kept goes. sinking and kept sinking. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was in water up to my neck. Oh, my God. And I kept sinking down and, and the muck and there. freaking yeah, out. Yeah, in the and, muck oh. there. And it was oily muck. It was muck oh. filled with oil. Oh. And um, they're laughing at me. And oh, um, I'm thinking I'm, they're going to laugh at me and I'm just going to sink out of sight. I hope Look it's funny. stupid scientist. <laughs> Gonna die. <laughs> Here's just goes another scientist. Uh, that's um, one way of getting rid of them. <laughs> so they ended up having to throw a lasso. Oh my goodness! And I had to uh, grab a hold of this rope and get pulled <sighs> by the boat out. Really? I got oh pulled my God. out. Not of just by the them, but by the boat. By the boat, I had to get pulled uh-huh. out by the boat. Um, I got pulled out, and I'm laying there, and I am covered in. Oil from, I think they call that swamp water skiing. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm covered in oil from you know my my waist all the way down to the tips of my toes, and uh, anyway they uh, they started laughing and nicknamed me Nutrient Lady. Oh yeah, because after the big rat thing, <laughs> the, the rats yeah. that hang yeah. out that bound around the the uh, the, the swamp. The so yeah, that, that's, oh, that's awesome. one of my funny stories. Take a sample right here off my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very, very much for stopping in with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. We're, thank we're you. We're going to have to have her back. There's a lot more we need to do. We know. didn't even get to like her Arctic, on. Arctic no. and polar bears. Nothing and about the polar bear. Next time. Whale blubber. Uh, next time. No, no, no. Okay. Now, will you promise to come back? I I know where you live. Okay. I'm happy to come back. Well, this has been really interesting, and thanks again. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks a bunch. So uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks for another episode of 2C Fans at Month.